Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. This is the Thrive Bites podcast, and welcome to season five. Here we talk about three things, plant-powered living, enhancing emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And I interview the most passionate guests here, ranging from physicians to coaches to dietitians to entrepreneurs. And my hope is to give you really informative and high-valued conversations. So please follow us here on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and wherever you hear your podcasts. Come on in, and I can't wait to see you inside. Hey guys, welcome to episode two, and I am so glad for this uh, next coming episode. So I had a chance to interview Dr. Ashley Lucas, and she holds a PhD in sports nutrition, and she's also a registered dietitian. Um, Her episode was really, really interesting because she recounts a story when she used to professionally uh, ballet dance, and uh, she basically relayed um, her trials and tribulations uh, through that period of time and how she was able to use that to reflect and uh, process and pretty much uh, change her entire wellness, you know, overall uh, professional career and actually transmute that into her career of clinical practices in five different uh, locations. And she has a wonderful program and has a very holistic approach to weight loss. And we talk about the misconceptions, uh, different trends, fads, uh, why certain and most common approaches don't work. So I really encourage you to take a listen and uh, we'll uh, get straight into the episode. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another Thrive Bites episode. Thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much. You can be anywhere in the world, and I am so glad that you chose to spend a few moments with us for this week's episode. And I am super stoked um, about this week's episode. Our guest for today is Dr. Ashley Lucas. Um, A little bit about her. Um, She is a weight loss founder, um, and she is a PhD weight loss founder, um, and she holds a PhD in sports nutrition and chronic disease and is also a registered dietitian. Uh, Following 15 plus years of research and clinical practice, she's developed a PhD's science-based approach. Uh, that revolutionized the science of weight loss. And her approach focuses on metabolic wellness, inflammation reduction, and behavior slash emotional support that creates profound sustainable and uh, transformation in the body and mind. And she has a groundbreaking new ebook um, called The Ultimate Weight Loss Secrets. And I'll let her share that. Um, but without further ado, please welcome Dr. Ashley. Hello. Hi. <laughs> Nice to see you. <laughs> nice to see you too. Um, thank you so much for uh, spending the time out uh, to share your, you know, experience and expertise. Um, can you tell us where you're calling from? Yeah, I'm calling from Asheville, North Carolina. Nice, nice. Um, I love it. I love it because we're uh, we're in a unprecedented time, you know, in 2022, and uh, we didn't think that we were going to go into the third year of the pandemic. You know, what what is one thing that uh, you have chosen to kind of, you know, change within your own personal life for 2022? What are, what are, what are we switching up this year? What are we switching up? That's a great question. I mean, I think just going forward and having my own clear goals and not letting uncertainty or fear sway me. 
is really important. You know, we can get stuck in all of that's coming at us and we never know what is ahead. It seems to always surprise us. And so just going forward with my specific goals of helping to serve as many people as possible on this planet in a positive way and not letting the fear of the unknown sway me from achieving those goals. So I, I think that, that that is really important as we move into this third year of major yeah. change. Yeah, yeah. Well, I am, uh, for me, it's uh, about counting blessings, um, you know, practicing gratitude and appreciation for others and for what we have, not taking things for granted. So I totally relate, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners um, can relate to as well. So thank you so much for sharing that. So we are going to be focusing on the topic of weight loss. And, um, you know, I really enjoy, you know, your approach and perspective you know, to this. So, you know, before we get into the nitty gritty, um, I like to start off by asking my guests, you know, kind of like the origin story, you know, what, you know, brought you from point A to point B. Um, I know that you have uh, formerly in a past life been a professional, uh, it sounds like a ballet dancer. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, from there, you've had, um, you know, sounds like your trials and tribulations that, you know, uh, may have contributed. Um, I don't know. I would love to, you know, hear from you about this. Um, your path to wellness, and I would love to hear, you know, that story and transition. If you can please share. Sure. Yeah. You're you're exactly right. I started training when I was really young in classical ballet. My mom put me in when I was three years old, and I just had a, a deep passion for it. But I wasn't very good. I naturally wasn't talented. I was always pushed into the back row. You know, back then they would put the least talented kids in the back row consistently. And that was just my home. But I don't like anyone to tell me that I can't do anything. And so it just lit a fire underneath me. And I kept pushing my body in directions that it didn't naturally want to go. It physically didn't conform. So I was injured all the time. I was never at the body weight that I really needed to be for the sport. I won't say never, but very rarely. I chronically restricted calories. I counted fat grams like an expert bookkeeper. But despite that, I wasn't at this really lean body fat percentage that was required for the sport at the time. Um, and so I think that was one of the main reasons why I was injured all the time. But despite that, I had a pretty successful career just because I would continuously push myself to do these things. I performed in probably 400 plus nutcrackers. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed every one of them, but I probably had one or two stress fractures in one or both feet for the majority of those shows. I danced in companies across the country, but I was never really where I wanted to be. And I was limited a bit by my body. And I felt like I had all the discipline and the willpower in the world, but it just wasn't working for me. Um, I was chosen to perform up in New York at the end of my dancing career. And, you know, that's every dancer's dream. And instead of finding myself in the spotlight up there, I found myself in the ER. I thought I was having a heart attack. I didn't know what was going on. I was so fearful because I was up there pretty much alone. And um, after a whole bunch of different tests, the neurologist came back and said that I was simply underfed and overexercised and that I just could not do it anymore. 
And so I was flown home alone. I was so fearful of my health future because I had no idea what was going on. And I felt like a failure. You know, now it might not sound like a big deal when you're listening to this, but it was 20 plus years of struggle and sacrifice. It was my identity. You know, anyone who has been an athlete or a specific to some kind of art, like we put our all and everything we are into it. So I, I knew I couldn't continue. I didn't know what to do with myself. And it took quite a few years to understand the direction that I was meant to go next. I understood how significantly nutrition impacted my own sport performance. So that's why I went into the field of nutrition. And I went on and I earned my PhD specifically in sports nutrition and chronic disease. And I studied exactly the issues I had because I wanted to help other people avoid it. So I looked at energy metabolism. What happens when you chronically undereat to your metabolism? How do you drop weight and optimize performance without depressing your metabolism or hindering your overall level of health? And then most importantly, what do you do mentally, emotionally to your habits and behaviors to create sustain sustainable change? Because we know that knowledge is only potential power. So if I can have all of this information as how to, to drop weight in a healthy way, how do we do it in a sustainable way as well? So I took all that information and I went on and I taught at the Ohio State University. And there, you know, I had a great time. Oh, guys. <laughs> yeah, I had a great time teaching, but I understood that I'm really an inpatient person. I have to see dramatic change in people or I'm not satisfied. So I went back to school again and completed my dietetic internship there so that I could be a registered dietitian because I believed that way I could work one-on-one -on -one with people and be this true expert in the field of weight management. But there was an issue there too, and that was that I was being taught all of the same information, you know, that you need to just eat less, move more, have more willpower, eat everything in moderation. And I knew that that didn't work for me. So I knew there was an issue. So I took all that information, flipped it upside down, took what I learned in my doctoral work and created this PhD approach, which we now implement into our brick and mortar locations. We have a really amazing and successful nationwide at-home programs. So we're helping people all over the country just drop weight in this sustainable way. Um, so you know, I know that was a long story, but I'm grateful for the path that I took. Um, dancing taught me perseverance and passion, how to create success out of failure. And I wrap that passion and obsession to helping others into what we do at PhD. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a beautiful story. Uh, a lot to unpack there. Um, I guess my first, first initial reaction was, uh, you know, do you miss it? Do you miss, you know, being on that stage? I mean, 400, 400 plus shows, um, you know, having a chance to go to different places. Do you miss it? <laughs> you know, I, at first I did. I mean, for at least a decade after, I, I really did. And I do now, but I'm able to, I think that the ticket there is you have to take one passion and transmute it into another. And so I'm so absolutely um, you know, filled with this burning desire to help other people and, you know, let them know that there's hope that they can drop weight and improve their health, especially everything we've been going through with COVID and how important it is to take responsibility for our health and know that we can change it and then take the steps to do it, that that part is filled in me. But 
I do miss the actual action of moving my body because it mm -hmm. feels good and grounding in that way. So yeah, probably every two, three months, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do? And maybe I'll go take a class. I'll talk my husband into <laughs> It's been challenging with COVID too, and it's not very comfortable. Dancing. You could probably teach it. I mean, like I know you're a busy woman and you're running yeah. multiple practices and stuff. You can probably, you know, maybe have it as a, you know, passion project, you know, and just kind yeah. of like teach, teach back. Wouldn't that be cool? It would be. And I taught for a really long time. So at some point though, I like to just go in and have someone tell me what to do. Cause I'm telling people. Mm, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, for sure. I, um, you know, went but before COVID, I was, um, you know, a traveling doc, and I was an outpatient family medicine uh, physician. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, when you're just so many different things going at you. And uh, one of my favorite things was, when I joined my first CrossFit gym, I was just so, you know, just like everything just like fell, you know, all the all the weight just came down when someone, you know, told you what to do. So I totally, I yeah. totally can relate. It's a great feeling. Um, you know, there's a little bit of a, a digression. But, um, you know, what, you know, I'm glad that that you know, all occurred or else, you know, you wouldn't be on the exact moment that you arrived to, right? So would it, it have been different? I don't know about nowadays, but wouldn't it have been different if let's just say um, teams like that, or, you know, these big, you know, dance companies, um, you know, that you were a part of and others are a part of now, would it made a difference? And let's just say a, a health coach or a registered dietitian was like part of that, you know, overall school and team, like, I don't, I don't know if that exists or if that's even, you know, like, would that make a difference, you know, for someone like you, you know, going through, going through that, going through the ranks back then? I would, it depends on who that individual is and what information they were sharing, because mm -hmm. a lot of dietitians out there still are, you know, eat to, six to 11 servings of grain, eat, eat, you know, eat low calorie, um, eat everything in moderation, um, for sports nutrition, they're really, really carb heavy rather than teaching how to become fat adapted. So, so I would say yes and no. I think the, the biggest benefit really would have been more of a health coach or someone from a psychological standpoint to help me overcome the thoughts that I had, those sabotaging thoughts. And for any type of athlete, Olympic level athlete, I think that's required. And unfortunately, artists and dancers aren't necessarily looked at like that as athletes. And we're kind of meant to fend for ourselves when we've got a lot of stuff going on, a lot of head trash that could have been helped. Um, yeah. So I we had the right messaging, it could have been helpful. But along with the mental and emotional aspect of that sport is, is that, that yeah. helpful. Yeah. No, and I agree with you to uh, I agree with you as well because um, it is a very antiquated um, you know uh, trend and concept that we continue to put um, in our heads and continue to espouse the calories in calories out you know eat less move more I mean that's I wouldn't say it's across the board but you know that's something that's very common and I don't know if it's because you know the person that is, you know, talking about it, you know, either doesn't know enough or it's their way of just kind of shortcutting the conversation, mm -hmm. you know, to kind of talk about something else, you know what I'm saying? Or maybe just waiting for a chance to refer to a specialist, you know, that's, mm -hmm. that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Potentially that could be it. 
let's uh, go into the nitty gritty. And uh, one of my questions I would love to ask is, you know, weight loss is a trend that keeps coming up over and over and over again. And what in what from your you know perspective is the reason for that? Um, you know, at least you know for Americans, you know, it's just something. No matter, there's always going to be some kind of diet that comes mm-hmm. out, right? Um, some sort of trend that comes out. But weight loss is kind of like almost like the Venn diagram of a lot of reasons why people want to go into a diet, why they want to change up their lifestyle. Um, you know, weight loss seems to be that kind of you know, overlapping Venn diagram, you know, component. And uh, why is it from your perspective that it keeps coming up? Well, I know that this is a little bit controversial, but um, our weight and our bodies impact every aspect of our life and our health. So it's really difficult to have the best level of energy or just to be able to perform our very best on all avenues when we're carrying around 50, 80 plus pounds, you know, you just can't do the majority of things in the way that your body really wants to do it. It, you know, um, I, I, you know, I have heard people, this is a difficult topic really, because I'll mention, you know, you can change every aspect of your life while in, in the process of dropping this weight, dropping weight, losing weight is a process of letting go, letting go, letting go of the excess weight that's holding you back and letting go of all the emotions that are tied to it. And over and over again, I'll hear clients just say, you know, my, my mental state has significantly improved through dropping this weight. Um, not just to speak of the inflammation reducing in the brain to allow us to think better, have no brain fog, Um, but also just the confidence and the feeling of empowerment. Um, So I just think we know subconsciously that in order to really live our very best life, that we need this vehicle that we are in to drive as smoothly as possible. And that's usually most often associated with dropping weight. So I just think it's the easiest thing that people see. And then when we're able to drop this weight, then we can pull more levers to optimize from that standpoint. So if we can drop this excess weight, then we can say, okay, where is my testosterone level right now? Do I need help with testosterone replacement? Or is my thyroid really off? Or, you know, all these different things that we can then see once we've dropped this kind of cloak that's covering and skewing everything we can then optimize to the next level, um, which I also think is really important. Yeah, for sure. I mean, um, you know, just having that extra weight, especially abdominal, you know, weight and, um, you know, it's, it, you know, a lot of science is showing that it actually, you know, acts like its own organ. Um, so it becomes, it becomes, <laughs> I would, I would hate to say this, but it, you basically create a monster. <laughs> um, but I wouldn't say that's controversial. I mean, I, I, I believe, I truly believe that it's connected to every level of health. Um, mm. The way I frame it for my patients is that, you know, physical, emotional, mental, I mean, they, they're not really, you know, independent, you know, separate entities. They all live and house within you. 
So how is it that they're not connected? You know, and to me, I mean, just using common sense, you know, makes a lot of, and you know, the work that we've been seeing over time with gut health and the microbiome and how it's connected to brain health, um, you know, is is really just reinforcing, you know, how much you know things are um, uh, interconnected. Yeah. Um, my next question for you is that you know, with your experience um, and you know, just so much work you've done. Um, in terms of, you know, the PhD work and, you know, everything you've done so far, you know, what are the most common misconceptions that you've encountered time in and time out? And what has been, you know, um, you know, your answer to kind of, you know, debunk them, if you can share, you know, maybe like three of them, the most common sure. misconceptions? Yeah, and I know I've, I've said them quite a few times already. But, you know, one misconception is that we just need to eat less. And if you really dive into the literature of severe calorie restriction or look at diets where it's 800, 1,000 calories a day and say HCG or hormone supplements, we know that that weight loss isn't sustainable. Um, and that severe calorie restriction, the ma vast majority of the time leads to pretty quick weight regain, leads to increased feelings of anxiety and depression, and it's just an unsustainable route. So it's not about just eating less. Um, I really dislike calorie trackers because then we don't get to listen to the way that our body's talking to us. Our body has hunger and full signals for a reason. And the, the majority of the time right now when we're carrying excess weight, those signals aren't clear. So we're not able to really trust what our body is saying. But once we can make a shift in our metabolism, get our body closer to where it needs to be, those signals are much more trustworthy. So those trackers say my fitness pal, for example, you might put everything you've eaten in. And at the end of the day, it says, Oh, my gosh, in red at the bottom, 600 calories, you know, of a deficit, and you're in the pantry looking at what you can eat, and you're not even hungry. But you're driving yourself to eat just because some calculator said that you should or can eat these calories when you really don't need them. So just kind of letting go of the calorie speak, the calorie talk, that language um, doesn't really serve us best. Um, another one is exercise, just exercising more. And I think exercise is really important. It's a, it's a really great wellness tool, helpful for sleep and stress and mood, but it's not a really effective weight loss tool. And there's a lot of studies to show this as well. You know, exercise is a really big um, hunger stimulator. So oftentimes it's so easy to overeat what we've exercised. A uh, study looking at the biggest loser contestants, you know, that, that reality show, looked at their metabolism before they started the show and then after, and their metabolism dropped by about 800 calories. They looked at their metabolic rate, reassessed it six years later, and it was still depressed by that much. And that's really what I found in my doctoral work, too, is that if you chronically undereat and overexercise, it does slow the metabolism, which means that you, in general, can eat less than you should be able to do and weigh the same. So it's just not a good deal to try to lose weight by exercising a ton and not eating much. Um, and I'd say another misconception is that um, we should just eat everything in moderation. I really look at weight loss as an addiction recovery process. So if you look at it from that perspective, then telling someone to just eat one cookie, if a, they're wired in a certain way to overeat on cookies is like telling an alcoholic to just have one glass of wine. It's really unfair. It doesn't work that way. And it's not going to set up a person for success. So I think 
those would be my top three myths associated with dropping weight. Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, it's Colin Zhu. And have you ever wondered how to get started on the pathway for a healthier lifestyle? You're wondering, man, I've been hearing all about veganism and vegetarianism and becoming more whole food plant-based. And you're just asking yourself, what is that? And how do I get started? Well, you're in luck. I just partnered with Listenable and they are a audio lesson platform. You can get it on the app store and they're five minute audio lessons where you can just take on the go anywhere that you travel, whether you're commuting, you're grocery shopping, and you are cleaning up your house. Um, they're five minute audio lessons. And I partnered with Listenable to create how to get started on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. And I teach anywhere from how to navigate a supermarket, how to stock your fridge, your pantry, your freezer, how to go about your kitchen and what kind of utensils and supplies you need to get. Um, and we talk about the different food groups and overall, you know, we just want to get started. It's an hour lesson and it's a great tool to put into your toolkit on how to get started on a whole food plant-based lifestyle. So, and if you go now to listmo.io, you can enter the code Colin Zoo and you can get 30% off a year on these audio courses, not just for mine, but also for anyone else's that are in the industry. And it ranges from health to psychology. Again, it's five minute courses and they're great. And if you wanna get healthier for this year, um, I highly encourage that. Um, I always advocate uh, the people that I speak to, my patients or clients to not just get healthier for themselves, but also for the family, for their significant other, for the children. So I encourage you to take a listen and thank you so much for listening and back to the episode. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, I definitely echo, um, you know, the the last point. You know, food addiction. Um, I think uh, I think food addiction <laughs> needs to be. You know, um, I gave a lecture uh, to my alma mater about food addiction. Uh, we were talking about how sugar and you know cocaine. They're just you know they've done studies where sugar actually <laughs> lights up part of the brain uh, much more prominently um, than actual you know the actual drug, which is mm -hmm. insane because. Yeah. Um, you know, food, food related products, the way I like to term them, um, all this processing and refinement, um, it's legal, you know what I'm saying? It's all over our shelves and it's all over the place. Um, and it's, uh, it's something, something needs to shift. Uh, we really need to kind of understand how we approach that. Um, you know, going back to the first myth that you were talking about, what was that like during that time when you were, you know, in your training, um, dancing, you know, and you were counting the calories and, you know, you were, you know, counting the grams of fat. Um, I've never personally done that before, but, you know, for those that are listening that have, you know, have, you know, done that, you know, or someone that doesn't understand, like, what is it, what does it take to do that? And what did you feel I guess, I don't know if you gained anything from it or, you know, what, what was gained and what was deprived by going through that process? That's a good question. What was gained was probably a sense of control. 
I felt like at least I knew what was going in and going out. And since we were told that that is the way for weight loss to happen, I felt in control, even though I didn't see the result or the outcome. So then um, I was very frustrated and I felt like a failure oftentimes because I didn't see the results that I would expect. Um, so yeah, but it, it wasn't fun. Um, but I probably did enjoy the sense of having control, having, having an idea of what I was to eat through the day. So that would have been helpful is for someone to give me a meal plan and help guide me. And then I would have done exactly what they would have told me to do in a healthy way. So I was just kind of at that point taking an uneducated guess as to what I needed to do. Yeah, I think without having the actual knowledge and you're just doing it, it sounds like haphazardly, right? Um, you know, you're just trying to find your way. And that wasn't probably your focus. You know, you were focusing on dancing, right? You were focusing on, you know, the ballet and um, and you're just like, I got to, you know, scramble, <laughs> no pun intended, but scramble things together and, you know, get things going. So um, I'm sure, I'm sure it's a... <laughs> we, I don't profane on this show, but like, you know, a mind, you know, you're like, you know, a mind, a mind, a uh, mind game, you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? So, um, so my next question to you is, you know, I would love to, you know, dive deeper into your approach and you teach and educate, you know, from a very holistic approach. I can very, very see, you know, the, the struggles that you went through is really reflected in the services and, um, you know, modalities that you are offering for your patients. So what does that mean to have a holistic approach to weight loss? Um, mm -hmm. You know, you include behavioral therapies, um, you know, you have, you know, obviously the nutrition and the food component of it, but what does that mean to kind of making it holistic and making it comprehensive? Why is that important? Just like I mentioned earlier that dropping weight is a process of letting go. If we only let go of the excess weight through understanding the science and the knowledge um, of when, what, and how much to eat, that's only a very small aspect. 80% of dropping weight comes from the mind. And so we really have to make sure that as our body is slimming down, we're letting go of these stories and these thoughts, these triggers, habits, the addiction that goes alongside with it. So you'll find that if you have done a weight loss program that doesn't tackle both of these aspects together, then the weight loss is going to be unsustainable. They have to be pair matched. And sometimes I'll see clients drop weight faster and then their mindset, their stories have to catch up. If they don't catch up, then you're going to see a regain. So that's just why it is so important to tackle the two together. Because if you don't create longstanding habits and behaviors and change your story, then the past is going to repeat itself. Um, that's why I am just so bent on making sure we are holistic and we have our weekly one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions with every single client talking to them about the habits, the behaviors, the sabotaging thoughts, the stories that we need to change. This is the majority of the work that's to be done. The science and the, the customized meal plan that we create is actually the easy part. Um, but in when I talk to our clients, you know, the, board, the majority of what they say is, number one, by shifting how they eat, they're no longer hungry. They don't have cravings. It feels really good. 
But secondarily, and most importantly, I think, is that they just have had a mindset shift. I, I had a client say, it's not what he was doing wrong, it's what he wasn't doing right. So figuring out that and then just having this mindset shift on how you view food is the key to long-term weight loss success. What is the, I would say, the most common self-sabotaging, I guess, talk Mm -hmm. they either say to themselves? um, Yeah, mostly, yeah, the part because that's the most important thing, right? It's like what they say to themselves, you know, because we live with ourselves 24-7, right? What what is the most common that you found across the board is, you know, something, you know, they just, you know, that self-limiting belief that they just kind of repeat over and over? Yeah. So I would say two. Um, one is this story of deprivation. Of I can't, They're focused on the foods that maybe they're not eating in this short term period. Um, I can't have X food and my husband can eat it and it's unfair. Or um, yeah, I'm not, I, I want to eat this burger and fries Um, I don't want to go and choose the healthier option. I'm deprived, I'm restricted. And that is just such a sabotaging thought when really saying no to certain foods is okay. And it's a form of self-respect. Those foods aren't going to get you what you want. I, I always say it's breaking the ties with the foods you say you love that do not love you back. And having enough self-respect to say, no, I deserve more than the French fries right now. I deserve to feel good, to have my health, to be able to run with my grandkids, to be able to tie my shoes without being out of breath. That's what I deserve. Mm. So just changing that deprivation, restrictive type of mindset is really important. And then the other one is just a lack of faith, confidence, and belief that they can actually achieve their optimal weight. So saying, I could never weigh that amount. I'm never going to get under 160. Well, is that a story or is that a fact? That's a story. And if they say they never can get under 160, then they never will. Because the Mm. words that we choose and the words that we speak to ourselves are really what programs our mind and becomes our reality. So, so many times I'll sit with a client, you know, and they're just, they're feeling stuck. I've worked so hard. I'm just not dropping this weight. It's never going to happen. And maybe they have five more pounds to drop to really hit that optimal weight. And they've already dropped 60 pounds. Yeah. So I'll walk them into that, that one, let's say they have to get to, they really want to and have to, or maybe, yeah, have to get to 155. I'll walk them into that 155 as a reality. They need mm-hmm. to visualize it with all their senses. What does it look like, feel like, smell like, who are they with? <laughs> what are they wearing? You know, and then really believe and really want to in their heart achieve that. And they will come back the next week and have dropped five pounds their last week simply because they opened that door and they changed Mm. their story in their mind. So um, it is a very, very big deal with the stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah, definitely. I could see how that could be challenging for patients and clients who've you know, maybe you've been overweight and obese from the beginning, and they've never actually seen themselves, you know, physically, you know, like that. Um, I think of what is your opinion about, you know, all these different uh, shows that we have, like, um, I think a popular show is like, what, a thousand thousand pound sisters or something like that, or these, uh, like, what is your opinion about that? I'm not sure if, you know, from, um, 
because we talk a lot about, you know, mental and emotional, right? Like, I'm not sure if they are great examples or role models to kind of put out there. I, I, you know, I just want to see what your opinion about those, whether it kind of actually helps society. No, I'd say all reality shows are a bit bogus. <laughs> those fit right within there. I've, I've never watched them and I hmm. wouldn't suggest that that you do unless that's the life that you want to live, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Unfortunately, just, you know, dominates, you know, whereas, you know, our, uh, you know, healthcare providers like us, you know, we want to be able to get them, you know, to the authentic, credible information and just say like, hey, you know, this is the way, you know, um, you know, the correct, you know, path. So, Mm -hmm. Um, so my second to last question is stress, you know, um, stress, you know, I think it's inevitable. It's, uh, you know, unavoidable, but I, you know, teach patients of kind of thinking about stress, like, you know, surfing, you know, an ocean, right. We're going to have big waves. We're going to have small waves and we're always going to be falling, you know, off of that surfboard. And it's really about, you know, getting back on, right. How does stress play into, the dynamics of weight loss um, Mm -hmm. uh, through your eyes? It's a big deal. You can eat all of the healthiest foods in the right amounts, but if you're stressed and depending on your unique metabolism, it could all just pile in as more fat. So a whole bunch of different cascades from a hormonal situation, which I'm sure that you know better than I do. But in general, when we're in a state of high insulin. And most often we are there when we are struggling with excess weight and we have high cortisol, which is a stress hormone. So when we're chronically stressed, we have elevated cortisol and cortisol is just an inflammatory hormone, one that you really don't want circling around in your body for long periods of time. When you have high cortisol and high insulin levels, then what it basically does is it tells the fat cell to not release the fat that's inside it, meaning that you're not going to be able to burn fat very efficiently, but rather the fat is stuck and stored in in the subcutaneous and visceral fat, that belly fat. And so, yeah, it just pushes that fat in there. And then you're hungry all the time. You have cravings specifically for kind of more carby, sugary foods. And it also, a cortisol can take your fat cells that are distributed throughout the body and relocate them in the belly. And just like you said, that belly fat is like a tumor. It's active. It has a mind of its own. And all it wants to do is get fatter as fast as possible already. So when you compound that with increased cortisol levels, man, it just creates a disaster. Yeah, for sure. Um, You know, a lot of people, when they think of weight loss, you know, like we said, going back to the beginning is just simple, you know, numbers in, numbers out. And our body is a very, you know, very complex and beautiful physiological machine. And there's so many things interacting, you know, each other um, that, you know, for those of us that taking some science courses, it's uh, sometimes overwhelming and uh, we're still learning more and more about it. So we're going to wrap this up. I I love, you know, what you do. Um, Can you share with the audience um, you know, what is the day in and day out? Um, I know that uh, you're in North Carolina, you have, mm-hmm. you know, five uh, brick and mortar uh, practices mm-hmm. going on. Um, you know, what is what is the day in and day out? And if someone wanted to 
reach out to you to kind of, you know, gain services, or I don't know if you offer like virtual appointments mm -hmm. or consultations, but what is that, what is the process like? What does it, you know, involve for someone that's interested? Yeah. Yeah. We have five brick and mortar locations, one in Durango, Colorado, another office in New Mexico, and then here in Asheville, Greenville, South Carolina, and Charlotte. And then we have a really amazing nationwide program where we serve people all over the country. We have thousands of, of clients all over the country, and we just serve them from the comfort of their own home. And we meet either over video or phone. Um, and then our, our process is really figuring out your unique body, your story, where your body really needs to be to let go of this excess fat weight. And then we create a customized meal plan. So really guiding you on exactly what, when, and how much to eat. But we do not restrict, severely restrict calories. You don't have to exercise like crazy um, you know, and you actually eat real good food, we can provide 85% of the food. So breakfast, lunch, snacks throughout the day, if you want it, and it's free to you. And if you're not close to one of our brick and mortar locations, we ship it to your doorstep for free. Um, and then always dinner meal is going to be on your own, or you can use all of your own whole foods from the beginning. So it's always up to you. But the majority of our clients do like to use the food just because it makes the process reliable. And so we help with dinner and we'll guide you. You'll become this expert at dinner. And then slowly we gradually release any of our foods. So you're never dependent on it. You understand you're learning, but it's like little baby steps. It's like you're on this bike and we're taking off one uh, training wheel at a time. And before you know it, you're totally self-sufficient. So every week you're going to have one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions where we talk a lot about nutrition, but unconventional, you won't hear, you know, any of the stuff that we talked about with trackers or calories or counting points, you're going to be able to listen to how your body feels. You're, you're going to feel great, sleep better and not be hungry and be able to eat real good food. Um, and then we alternate the nutrition discussions with a ton of cognitive behavioral work. We have audio sessions that our clients listen to that retrain the neural pathways in the brain. So we're really big on that aspect. And then once we get the body where it needs to be, and like we said, collapse that active, hungry fat mass in the belly, that's when our clients enter into maintenance and maintenance is free. It's for life. We never leave our client's side. And that is really what we're known for because dropping weight really is one aspect, but maintaining it is a whole nother beast. And that's where the work is to be done. So that's really in a nutshell of, you know, what we, what we do and what it looks like. Awesome. Awesome. Do you uh, work with uh, bariatrics um, yeah. and uh, obesity um, uh, physicians as well? Yes. Course. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, we'll definitely provide the links, um, you know, in the show notes uh, when this airs. And, um, you know, um, before I know that, you know, you have something for the audience before we get to that. Can you share with us this, you know, this show is all about thriving. And I love to hear what my guests, you know, do and incorporate within their life. Um, because I think that uh, role modeling is very powerful. Um, there's nothing more powerful than walking, you know, your talk. What is one non-negotiable that you do for yourself that has personally made you thrive in your life? One non-negotiable. Um, I would say in general, it's, it's again, to not let fear drive my decisions. 
And in running a business, that's a big deal. There's things that come at you every day where you're like, oh my gosh, should I do this? Should I expand? Should I grow in this way? For example, for me is what I'm going through. And I just have to let really think about it and let fear go, um, let the inner, inner critic go. And so I think if we can be courageous and dare greatly and know that really anything is possible if, if we want it enough, then um, we would go and tackle things we would otherwise never dream of tackling. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. That was beautiful. Um, what is the ebook that you wanted to share with us? Yes. Right now you can visit the website, myphdweightloss.com and download it for free. I talk a lot about the belly fat in there, which we just basically just um, very foundationally tackled today. So I really suggest that you download that and read about the belly fat and how it works and why weight gain isn't your fault. And then I do provide some simple lifestyle strategies that you can implement into your life right away to make big changes. You know, it doesn't take long to be able to put diseases, even like type two diabetes into remission or reduce your blood pressure. You know, these chronic conditions don't have to be chronic um, and you can make changes in them really quickly. So um, yeah, I, I hope that the ebook is helpful and also following me on social media, I try to put up tips like this and motivation and recipes. So doing that um, might be helpful as well. My social media handle is Dr. Underscore Ashley Lucas. So I hope that you find helpful tips in, in doing that. Well, yeah, I think um, a lot of, um, you know, our listeners, you know, will greatly benefit, um, you know, especially I, I love the approach where, you know, there's a lot of hand holding um, because it's a, it's a, it's kind of like, um, you know, what we talked about before is just, you know, when you're, you're just wanted to focus on one thing that was dancing. Right. And then you have to think mm -hmm. about this. You have to think about that. You know, I like the fact that there's a lot of hand holding. There's not a lot of, um, it doesn't sound like, you know, you, you know, people are leaving each other um, very comprehensive. And I, my favorite part of it is really the mental game, you know? Um, and I think a lot of aspects of life is really the mental game. And, mm -hmm. you know, it's, again, that's really reflected on, you know, what you went through. So that's, uh, you know, that's great. And I'm really glad that you've uh, incorporated, you know, such a large part of it into your services. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, thank you again, Dr. Ashley, for coming on to the show and spending the time, um, your expertise and, you know, what, uh, how you're showing up for the world. Um, I really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for all you do. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for watching another episode of Thrive Bites. If you like this, please uh, like, comment, share, and subscribe. And if you feel that this was a benefit for someone else, um, please let them know as well. And until the next time, please say goodbye to Dr. Ashley. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Hey guys, thank you so much for watching that episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you like this, please like, follow, and subscribe. And please follow us for the latest updates for this season, season five. And if you feel that this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and YouTube. And thank you so much again. And we will see you on the next one.